0: Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. As we read in the Torah portion this week, Moses was facing... Uh, A a whole new situation, having brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and seen the great and mighty hand of God and many miracles, no doubt. He was now facing a challenge, a problem that was, in a real sense, too big for him, and that was this. There were so many people who needed his attention and his time, and they were lining up uh, all day, for the opportunity to present uh, their situation to Moses for guidance, and often it had to do with disputes and difficulties between different people. And so Moses was sitting as judge and as leader and teacher, and it was too big for him, but he thought that he had to do it the way that he was doing it, and that he had to um, just accept that situation and find the solution that he had put into place as if that were the only solution but it was really not sustainable that's something that his father-in-law Yithro, Jethro recognized we'll look at that but i want to ask you this question have you ever faced a problem that just seemed too big for you to handle have you ever faced a situation that was bigger than than you knew what to do with anybody here Had that experience of any kind? Well, while we were worshiping, I remembered one of those experiences from my childhood. I think second grade, but it could have been third grade. And I remember coming home from school and being overwhelmed. And here was the reason we were given homework to do for the very first time. And I looked at that homework, and I was paralyzed. And I remember looking at it and thinking, I can't do this. And that little second grader started crying. Yeah, it was pitiful really pitiful. It's embarrassing in a sense. Well, not really. But I remember crying and my mother came to me and said, why are you crying? And it's like, (laughs) I couldn't even put words out. Do any of you have kids that do that sometimes? They get in that condition, and they no longer can communicate with words, but they can communicate with emotion and with groanings deeper than words. Yeah, I was one of those kids. So there I was crying, and it was so difficult to explain why I was crying and what was going on, and so... I said, I can't do this and I remember handing the assignment, the homework assignment to my mother and just overwhelmed. Now, this was interesting, what she did. She did not actually try to comfort me or encourage me or give me any cheerleading at that moment. What she did was look at the assignment. And she said, okay, let's do this. And she read out loud the first question. And I heard it and she said, okay, now you write down the answer. And so I did that. And then she read out loud the second question and asked for my answer and I wrote that down. And then she said, what's the third question? I read it out loud, and she said, and now write down your answer. We went through the whole assignment that way. And at the end of it, guess what? It was done. And she said, okay. And she left me to myself. And she didn't heap on praise, though she was capable of it, but she just left me with, an experience that I can remember to this day, and I can tell you it was a long time ago, more than 10 years. (laughs) And I remember how she handled that. She didn't try to make me feel better through my feelings. She helped me solve my problem and overcome my feelings. So that I was able to have victory over the thing that was overwhelming. That was powerful. And I keep that inside of me to this day. And it's not that I have a lot of homework that makes me want to cry. I have other things that make me want to (laughs) cry. You do too. Now you know what I mean but there are situations that we all face that are just too big for us. And that's what was happening with Moses. And Moses came up with a solution that was not sustainable. It was going to be too much for him and too much for everybody. It wasn't going to work, no matter how patient and willing people were willing to be. And so... Let's read in Exodus 18 how it's described. Brian Rose this morning shared with us the part of the Torah reading that is prior to this, where Moses and his father-in-law get together. And now this is the next day, verse 13, Exodus 18, verse 13. The following day, Moses sat to settle disputes for the people, while the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. And when Jethro, or Yethro, in Hebrew, Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing to the people, he said, what is this that you're doing to the people? Why do you sit there alone with all the people standing around you from morning till evening? Verse 15, Moses answered his father-in-law, It's because the people come to me seeking God's guidance, and whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me. I judge between one person and another, and I explain to them God's laws and teachings. So Moses thought that his approach to this problem was was obvious and even self-evident, and so he took just a moment to answer Yitro's question what are you doing? And it's like, why are you doing it? It's like, well, here's why. And I don't know what Moses expected, but what Yithro said was very interesting. He said, what you're doing is not good. And there are two words in Hebrew that are part of Yithro's statement that I want to teach you because they're really easy. The first one is lo. Can you say that? Lo. It sounds like L-O-W in English, but it's spelled like lo and behold if you were transliterating, L-O. But, of course, it was in Hebrew, so those letters don't count, but I'm talking about the sounds. Lo. Say that with me again. Lo. Easy to say, right? Lo. The second word is tov. Tov. Everybody say that. Tov. Say it to the person next to you just to make sure they think you got it right. Tov. Tov, it's easy to say these words. So in Yitro's answer are these two words, lo tov. Say that together, lo tov. Not so hard, right? You know what lo tov means? Not good. Lo tov, not good. That's real straightforward, isn't it? Lo tov. Now for some of you who like to do additional studies, for instance, if you go to some of the online Bible resources and you look up the lexicons that they offer in uh, this particular passage, you might not realize that some of the renderings in those Bible study tools leave out the word low. And they only include in their dictionary and their lexicon the word tov. And so if you're going through it and you don't know what you're doing, but you're trying to, you might think that what Jethro said was good. But how many of you know the difference between good and not good? It's a world of difference. Lo tov what you're doing lotov lotov verse 18 you'll certainly wear yourself out and not only yourself but these people here with you as well it's too much for you you can't do it alone by yourself so listen now to what i have to say i'll give you some advice and god will be with you you should represent the people before god in other words you Be praying and seek their interests and their needs. Don't have them stand before you. You stand before God. And you should bring their cases to God, he says. And then verse 20, you should also teach them the laws and the teachings and show them how to live their lives and what work they should do. Now let's go through these words. Work they should do. Can you say that with me? Work they should do, yeah. Verse 21, you should choose from among all the people, competent men who are God-fearing, honest, and corruptible to be their leaders, in charge of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and ten- it tens. So this is a strategy that involves everyone learning to do their part. And everyone learning to orient themselves to what God says is good, not just what they think. When people are in a dispute, you know what? Most people want to win. Fewer people are willing to lose because of principle. I'm wrong, and you should win. But it's important to understand that when our hearts are right before God and we're willing to accept instruction, then when we do something that is lo tov, we try to fix it, not just justify ourselves. And Moses is showing us as an example that he's able to receive adjustment. And he's able to learn something. He's doing some part that's good. He's trying to find a solution, but he's short-sighted. It's not sustainable, is it? It won't work in the long run. And also, it's important to understand what God is doing. God is bringing the children of Israel into a whole new era. It's no longer the era of the patriarchs where one man is the key to everything. And rather, it's the children of Israel, the tribes together, becoming a nation. It's all of them together learning. And it is hard to teach a nation all the things they need to learn in order to serve the Lord. It's just hard to learn. Because people want to do what they want to do. And they will pick and choose those parts of the rules and regulations and the laws that justify what they want to do. Well, we can go through this in some detail, but I want to point out something. In verse 21, Jethro says, choose from among all the people competent men who are God-fearing, God-fearing, that's number one, honest, that's number two, and incorruptible. The Hebrew says something that could be translated, I think, even better as, who hate dishonest gain or who hate covetousness. And later on in the reading this week in um, Exodus 20, verses 15, 16, and 17, God writes on the tablets some of the rules and regulations, some of the laws that are meant to guide the children of Israel. But at this moment, when Jethro's speaking, they don't yet have that in writing. They don't have the law yet. And so it's yet to come. So when Moses says, yes, I see the importance of that, there's still a process that's complicated, even though it's simple and straightforward and easy to understand. I compared it to this when I was thinking about it. If someone was the only one who knew how to heal sick people and all the sick people were coming to that person and their father-in-law came and said, lo tov, here's what you need. You need doctors, you need nurses, you need medical assistance of all kinds, because you can't do this by yourself. And if you said in response, Yes, you're right. Let's do it. How many of you know that saying yes still involves a lot of work? And not just the work of the one person who says yes, but all the people that need to learn. Right? And in a way, Dethro, the father-in-law, is saying, this is what you need to do, Moses. You need all the children of Israel to know the laws of God and what pleases God. And you need to find those who who can help others settle disputes. But here's one thing that's really important. They can't be covetous people. They can't want what others have. They can't use their situation to better themselves. Nor can they play favorites. Now later in in Exodus 20, verse 15, everyone's told this, do not steal. And everyone's told in verse 16, do not give false evidence or do not bear false witness. And everyone will be told in verse 17, do not covet. And then there's a whole list. And the sages of Israel have connected all those things and say covetousness is is a very serious sin because it may be hidden at first, but it, it sets in motion scheming and plans and hidden things that end up with stealing, but they include bearing false witness, etc., And so there is instruction at this point. In this Torah portion, it's given to Moses and then it will be given to Israel. And then later in Exodus 23, it says, Don't accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds those who see and twists even the words of the righteous. It can have that effect on people. And what is a bribe? A bribe is a large gift of any kind that can shape a person's attitude perspective. And so all these judges and all these leaders are told, don't receive that type of um, gift from other people because it can be used to distort your point of view, where you don't look at what you need to look at. You don't see what you need to see. Deuteronomy also elaborates on it, and it makes it very clear in Deuteronomy 16-19, that it's not just for judges and leaders that these instructions are given, but for everyone. And so there is clarity about this. And in the rest of this passage, we see that the Yithro is describing how the process can work better when there are many who have a common commitment to the laws of God, and to the goals of the community, which is to live in honorable ways before God, and to settle disputes. And it goes through this, and it says this promise, if you do this in verse 23, and God is directing you to do it, you'll be able to endure, you will be able to endure, and all these people also will arrive at their destination peacefully. So it's a very important moment, and Moses is ready to respond. He was trapped by the problem, and he was trapped by the solution. And he was trapped by the problem situation and the solution that he had implemented to solve the problem. And what I really appreciate is that The Torah tells us about the inner workings. These are the things you wouldn't know about if you didn't have access to this part of the scriptures. The challenges, the struggles, the difficulties, the good, the bad, the ugly. And do you know what? It's our responsibility to learn about these things. To become aware of them. And then to take these matters to heart. And that is hard. It is hard in the era that we live in, but I think it's hard because of human nature. People want what they want, and people want to justify themselves. And you know what's necessary. We have to learn to want what God wants. And we can be very religious and very different from God. I've got like a couple of minutes to go because of respect for time. I could go on. And some of you can go on, but I want to tell you something. I want you to recognize that this was not just a problem for Moses. It was a problem later on for the, the apostles. And let's read about this In um, Acts chapter 6, it says in those days, verse 1, in those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Greek-speaking Jews began to grumble against the Hebrew-speaking Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so the twelve summoned all the disciples and said, It is unacceptable for us to neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, brothers, select from among you seven men, confirmed to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will appoint this responsibility to them. Let's say these words, this responsibility. To them, and devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, as well as Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism, which I think is an interesting detail. They presented these seven to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them, and so the word of God continued to spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem grew rapidly, and a great number of priests became obedient the faith. So they were growing but they were having problems and they were having grumbling among them and differences among them. And the apostles stepped in and they recognized the situation needed a solution but they also recognized something that Moses had to recognize which is we've all got to help find a solution here. And it's going to take all of us working on this And so they worked together and found leadership that could manage the underlying problem and work together so that the calling of the people could be fulfilled. And it was fulfilled. That was the solution. And I think what's common about these two passages that we're sharing today is that both Moses and Jethro and the apostles recognize something. You need to keep fixing things. There will be problems. How many know that there will be problems? How many know that each of us will contribute to those problems? And how many of us understand organizations enough and growth enough to know that sometimes the solutions to one problem creates A whole new problem. Yeah, this is all true. And so let's not fantasize about, you know, Candyland. Some game of life or something that you can play without any problems. Life has problems and growing up is challenging. Yes? And what does it take? It takes wanting to grow up and wanting to do our part, and learning enough from others, the Jethro's who see, and the others who see, but learning even the things that we don't like, but need to be done. Have you ever faced a situation where you had to do something, or it was in front of you, and you, maybe you had a choice Will you do it or not? And it's not what you wanted to do, but it's what you understood is right to do. Anybody? Yeah. Have you ever been overcharged at a store and you wanted to get the, money cor- the charge corrected so you got your money back? Yeah. Have you ever been undercharged? And then wanted to correct the situation by giving them the money back. That's just as right. And the right of one and the right of the other go together. It's not according to personal gain. It's just let's do it right. Right? It's not what you can get away with. My brother-in-law, Dennis, who's a retired attorney, said that in his experience... One of the worst things that he's heard from businessmen in trouble is this question. Well, where does it say I can't do that? And he said, when people are thinking of it that way, they're already in trouble. It's not what you can get away with. It's learning to do what's right. And all this stuff is connected to trying to get it right so that people can serve the Lord together and more and more people can see the promise of God fulfilled in their real lives. They can see the good and the way that we do good for one another and serve one another, but it's not always easy because people do have different motivations and they want what isn't theirs. And so people do steal, and people do want what isn't theirs, and so they covet and scheme and try to figure out how to get what isn't theirs. It'd be better for them to just go do their own thing than to try to take what isn't theirs. That's what the Scripture's trying to teach us. Let's get our hearts right. Factions are connected to this, and divisions are connected to this, and sowing seeds of discord... They're all just manifestations of coveting and stealing and bearing false witness. Those three commands, they're just manifestations of that. But they're very serious. And so each of us has to have a heart that says, you know what? I want to be a man or a woman of integrity. I want to be a young person of integrity. I don't want to just get my way. I want to learn to do even the hard thing." And if you're surrounded by people who want to do even what's difficult because it's right, even when it's not to their advantage, then it's good. And if you're surrounded by people who will encourage you to try to get away with what's wrong, it's not good. Lo tov. Lo tov. And if you're trapped by your own solutions, and the problems you're trying to solve can't be solved the way you're trying to solve them, then you can say to the Lord, lo tov, it's not good. The way I'm doing it isn't good. And you can listen to others who say, lo tov, it's not good. Not out, not out of criticism, and not out of fault finding, but out of the common desire to do what is good. And that's the important thing. Let's get our hearts right for this. It costs everyone to do it. But you know what? When we do it, there's a blessing. And that's what we see in the book of Acts chapter 6. When they have their problems, when they start working together and not fault-finding, and not accusing, but they start working together to solve the problems, and not grumbling against each other, and not taking sides, oh, the Hebrew speakers are good, and the Greek speakers are bad, or vice versa. But they say, you know what? Let us have integrity together. They solve the problems, and they start growing again, rapidly. And the people they can reach in that situation include the Kohanim, the Levites, the priests and the Levites together. They're able to reach their own people, including those with experience and those with knowledge and those who who have learned something already. It's a powerful thing. And let it be the case for us that we set our hearts in that direction. But that's all we have time for today. So let's just pray. Lord, thank you for the lessons from the life of Moses and Israel and the lessons from the life of the apostles and the community of disciples with Yeshua. And let us learn lessons from them and from the scriptures and apply them to ourselves for our good and for your good. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. So we're gonna close with Aaron's blessing. You can stand if you will. We have a wonderful oneg planned, a time of food and fellowship. Asian sesame salad with baked chicken nuggets and Hawaiian sweet roll bread. Whoo! Coffee and tea. And you. And so join us. Great time to get to know each other and Build up relationships. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Let's meet next door.